0: You're listening to Semper Reform on the Radio, where the Bible alone and the Bible in its entirety is applied to all of life.
1: There are many people who do not want to hear the truth because it will shake up the false hope they have that they're going into heaven when indeed they are not. christ is our king scripture is our law scripture and the laws of our country now collide head-on
2: now just to make it clear we don't bow down to caesar
3: so what does paul do when he gets his big shot at the areopagus watch him now, not only has Paul not compromised in order to get here, but once he's here, he says, Your worldview is wrong. Your philosophy is wrong. It's not just wrong, it's an affront to God. You ought to know better. You're in sin. But the good news is, God has extended to you an opportunity to repent.
0: All right, Welcome everybody to another episode of Semper Reformanda Radio. My name is Tim and I have with me today our, our two other co-hosts, Joseph Rios and Carlos Montijo. And I'm very grateful that they're able to join us because I think that they, they both know a little bit more about this topic that we're going to be discussing, a little bit more about it than I do. Today our goal is to actually be talking about Lordship Salvation <laughs> and we so, so you hear the Irishman laughing in the background folks that is uh, Gary Edwards uh, from Ireland he was with us last week on our, our you know I'm not really sure when this is going to be recorded so uh, when this is going to be released so I think I think there's another episode in between this but Gary was with us on episode 31 uh, critiquing uh, <clears throat> the views of Christian Peter Peter Christian and uh, just to let everybody know, I am running on about one and a half hours of sleep. I just got off work. <laughs> so I may be saying some things that don't make sense, but I am grateful that these other brothers are here because uh, we're hoping to have a lively discussion of, about Lordship Salvation. And what's interesting is that we, <clears throat> we, we've we talked about it throughout the week, and we've come to realize that we, we may not all agree. So... Hey Gary. Yes. A lot of noise over there. Sorry, <laughs> in Ireland. Uh yeah, just mute mute your mic if uh I don't know what you're doing, man. It sounds like you're building something. Sorry, I, uh, I just
1: opened the drawer so I, I, I wasn't expecting it to come through <laughs> so loudly. <laughs>
0: that's that's no problem. But um, anyways, uh we're just hoping to have a, a round table discussion on on the topic of Lordship Salvation. Uh we're hoping to uh um, that this will be edifying that we can, we can talk about the, the different perspectives. I think, uh, Joseph Rios is probably going to be taking a position that's more in line with, uh, the crew of drop the mic with, uh, Todd, Aaron, and, uh, Larry. Uh, I, I know that they, <clears throat> they take a particular view and, uh, I think Gary is probably going to be taking a view that's more in line with, uh, Colleen from theology gals. And, uh, I, then you have Carlos and I, who are probably going to take a slightly different perspective on this. But we we value the uh, the discussion, and we're definitely looking forward to that. But before we get to the the lordship salvation stuff, uh, Carlos, you you were going to read a couple of emails that we were going to talk about and address. Can you go ahead and and do that first?
2: Yeah, sure. Uh, we got an email, a recent email from Brian. And uh, he said he was actually talking about uh, Peter Christian. He said that he's stirring up IP trouble as usual on the Pentecostal Theology page on Facebook. Pentecostals are traditionally uh, overwhelmingly Arminian. I suggested the group members listen to your podcast. Here's what he said later in the thread, calling you guys closet Arminians. So he's calling us out for being closet Arminians now. Looks like you were spot on about his desire to become famous and gain a following. And uh, he attached a a comment of him saying, "Yeah, that was me against the two closet case Armenians." Uh, Brian, I am very famous these days, just so you know, or something something like that. So I guess he's gloating, uh, soaking all of this in in a bad way. Uh, so just be on the lookout for him because he's still out, you know, make trying to make a a name for himself. I guess. Uh, any comment?
0: Yeah. How how. How are we closet Armenians if we, if we hold to the five points in Calvinism?
2: Well, that's okay. you already, yeah, and you already pointed this out that he doesn't really understand Calvinism that well.
0: Yeah, so I'm just wondering if, if now that's that's sort of a an an insult, an attack, you know, a, a personal attack because that's just. I, uh, I, I'm glad that G- Gary laughed. if If you didn't hear that Gary in the background, G- Gary, Gary laughed because that's what that is. That's laughable. But anyways, uh, I, I just want to let everybody know that Peter Christian has since unblocked us, and uh, we've left an open door for him to talk about, talk to us. Um, I, I don't want to labor this out in any more episodes uh, with with him. we We did two episodes, and it was, uh, I thought difficult getting through some of this stuff, but on, on a personal level, he's he's more than welcome to contact us uh, personally, and we can have private conversations with him. Uh, so if you're out there, encourage him to do that. I've I've left the door open. I'm, I'm not going to approach him anymore because he did block us, and so I'm not going to force a conversation with him if he doesn't want to have it. So that's all I have to say about that.
1: Yeah, Adam. Um- i i actually laugh because usually i'm getting attacked for being a hyper calvinist <laughs> you know never mind being an armenian i am um, so um it is quite funny um uh peter christian uh, the whole issue with peter and and me coming on the last time um i thought i presented very clearly the error that i thought he was upholding and my main issue with him wasn't just for his heretical views and his uh, neo-gnostic uh, view of faith is heretical because he is, he's, he's placing faith in faith. He's putting an element, a condition into salvation. And, uh, you know, no matter what way he tries to get out of it and defend it, and he can call us girls and like a bundle of high school girls or something was what he put in one of his posts. He, his behavior after the debate was terrible. How he handled himself was terrible. He, he he showed absolutely no Christian love, unity, nothing in relation of showing dignity nor respect. He just seemed to want to attack people and unfriend them and call them names and bait them and goat them. I have received a ton of messages from fellow Christians who have been completely alarmed by his behaviour and also um, where he has sent them private messages baiting them, uh, calling them names and trying to Forced them onto his podcast with his little antil mob to try and degrade them now um i just don't understand how he perceives that to be christian or even see himself as uh, as a pastor or an elder or a teacher uh, the guy clearly is behaving like a court jester so um you know scripture says in first corinthians 11 and it's Looking at it today verse 19 for there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized and I think um, What we're getting to see is that uh, who is genuine and who is not? Whilst we can agree with uh, each other and disagree with each other. It's all about how you handle that you know um, I was reading today actually um, theology uh, debate for the sake of discovering truth, if unpleasant, is a necessary aspect of the church life. However, theology debate to promote division amongst the brethren is sin. And uh, Peter peter Christian is only promoting division, separation, alienation, uh, calling people uh, all sorts of names, uh, trying to poke fun at people's weaknesses. And, uh, you know, I'm not prepared to challenge his precepts. So I think clearly he has revealed himself and who he is. I have no need to seek him. I haven't sinned against him. I haven't wronged him. And, in fact, if he wants to talk to me, he's unblocked me again. He can reach out to me and talk to me. And I'd be only too happy to talk with him. But I'm I'm not in any way needing to go on his podcast with his little Antil mob to be called names by people who believe that John Calvin is a heretic, that pedo-baptists aren't believers, and that progressive sanctification is heresy, and therefore you're not a Christian. So that's their stem of belief, that's their. That's what they believe, and anybody who believes that they condemn, they're a bundle of condemners, and really they've revealed themselves.
0: So he called us girls? <laughs> Yeah, girls. Yeah. Oh man, if only that guy lived in my world. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, <yeah. laughs> uh, it's funny. Uh, it will that's fine. Whatever. I don't even care. Um. All right, Carlos. Uh, any other emails that you wanna, um, you wanna yeah. read? Uh,
2: all right. Yeah, and I have a few more words to say about Peter, but um, so I'll save that for a little bit later. But, uh, thank you, Brian, for your email. Thank you for listening. Thank you for uh, recommending the show, and thank you for uh, keeping us up to date on what this guy's doing. Um, uh, our next email is from John, and he says, Tim, I appreciated your recent episode about your family, the one with uh, Andrew. I will pray for you. Take care. This is John from Catersville, Georgia. So thank you, John, for listening. And, John,
0: I, I, I do appreciate that. Um, it's it, there, There's a lot developing, and hopefully... I've had conversations with two of my family members and it basically went like this. Stop bashing the Catholic faith and, um, you know, that's pretty much it. (laughs) Um, But I I did have one aunt who is interested in hearing what I have to say about Mother Mary and why I don't believe that the apparitions of Mother Mary were were really of Mother Mary. So uh, we're going to be doing a lot more stuff on Roman Catholicism. Specifically in an effort to reach Roman Catholics, because I do love my family. I do love those people who are held captive by a system that is, that is, uh, that, that is steeped in human tradition and not in Christ. So, John, I really appreciate that. Uh, I always need prayer, and um, I can't tell you how much that means to me. So, thank you, John.
2: Yeah, uh, so thanks for listening, everybody. And uh, we have another email, one more email from Matthew. Uh, He says, hey, brother, my name is Matthew. I live in Allentown, Pennsylvania, longtime listener of the BTWN guys. I'm not sure if I've reached out to you before, but I wanted to say that I have really enjoyed uh, the SRR podcast up to this point. The back and forth between you and the CFTP, that's conversations from the porch team, uh, regarding covenant theology and new covenant theology when you first came to the network was very beneficial to myself and those who I disciple. Uh, I wish an actual formal debate could have come to fruition, but I have a feeling it is only a matter of time. I was sad to hear about Carlos and Owen. I enjoyed enjoyed them both, but I was very encouraged in listening to your new host, Joseph, and and your discussion about uh, continuationism versus versus cessationism, Uh, which, by the way, we're going to have to do another episode on that because I need to set you both straight. Y'all basically sounded like closet uh, (laughs) cessationists, but we'll we'll get get to that. We'll get to that in a minute. All right. Um, Well, he continues. I thought it was a very profitable discussion. Anyway, I just wanted to say I really enjoy the podcast and to wish you well. God bless. Your brother in Christ, Matthew. So thank you very much uh, for your kind words, Matthew. And I'll just go ahead and read my response as well. Uh, I said, it's great to hear from you and thank you for your encouraging words. We're very glad to hear that you've enjoyed and benefited from the podcast. That's why we started it. Uh, Owen may not be in the picture as much as he used to be, but we still hope to collaborate with him. Um, and I've been... And I myself have been very busy at work lately, but I also hope to publish some articles and contribute to the podcast. So stay tuned uh, in Christ. So thank you all for your emails and keep them coming at semper.reformanda.radio at Yeah,
0: and I'll, I'll just say this about Owen. I really, really like that, brother. I think I think Owen is an outstanding guy. Um, I've I've done a poor job in keeping in touch with him just because of everything that's been going on. Um, I, I'm really wanting to get Owen on the show again for a, an episode or two about the Sabbath. So, uh, you know, uh, it's just uh, I'm I'm working with uh, with Brother Kaufman. I'm working with Joseph. I'm working with and, and all these things keep popping up. So, Owen, uh, I appreciate you. And I just want you to know that. And uh, I appreciate that email. I'm really surprised, Carlos, that somebody actually said they benefited from our little excursion with conversations from the porch because I think that uh, at the time people were were basically saying, please stop, stop talking about this, move on. (laughs) And uh, so, and and I mean, we're we're probably going to be picking up new covenant theology later on in the future. We'd like to talk a little bit more about it, but that's going to be independent of the conversations from the porch because uh, we, I I don't, I don't really want to go down that road again. Um, so I think that's enough said there. Uh, so let's go ahead and get into our discussion for today. We are, we, like I said, we're going to be, we're, we're, we're going to make a, a strategic attempt to actually talk about the one thing that we've been talking about, but have not actually discussed for like three or four podcasts and that is Lordship Salvation. So, <clears throat> uh, I, I just want to give the floor to Carlos first, uh, and ask him what, I don't even know what to ask him. I, I, I didn't like type out any questions prior to this. So Carlos, I'm just going to give you the floor and uh, <clears throat> we'll have a discussion. I don't know if you wanted to talk about certain points of Lordship Salvation, maybe defining what it is, uh, letting our audience know what it is. It's it's pretty interesting because I'm not even sure if we're all going to agree on what it actually is because I think that Joseph probably has a, a more um, – uh, Joseph is probably defining it in, in the way that it's held today as opposed to maybe how it was held uh, in the past. Um, I don't know where Gary falls on this. I'm not really sure where Joseph falls on this. So let's just have at it, guys. Let's uh,
2: let's uh, have a good discussion. Carlos? Yeah, and all I'm pretty sure about is that if you disagree with me, you're probably wrong. Uh, but anyway. <laughs> uh, so here we go. Yeah, well, and I, I've, gonna... I've, I've disagreed with you a couple of times, and I've been right, so... I mean, <laughs> well, whatever. All right, let's go. Few and far between, my friend. But uh, no, that's fine. Okay, so we have, and and going back to the NCT stuff, the NCT stuff that we talked about is very important issues, and then you're going to see them continue to come up uh, when we visit other topics, including this one. So that th- those are issues that are extremely important uh, to deal with respect with respect to the Bible and Christianity and theology and all of those things. So. Um, You you will see that as we progress. So I I have a few more uh, closing words regarding Peter Christian because I didn't get to to say them and I got cut off at the end of the previous show, but he he has a characteristic, and I know that you've already pointed this out, that he's very cult-like. He's very extreme, he has very imbalanced and cult-like views, Uh, actually very similar to somebody else that some of you all may know about called Mark Carpenter. He has yeah. a website called uh, outsidethecamp.org, and he's basically exactly. damning and condemning everybody who does not believe in limited atonement, and or or does not believe explicitly that if you reject limited atonement, that you cannot be saved. So it's very similar to uh, this this Peter Christian guy and his clan or whatever is following, uh, or whoever he's following. Um, and it's obviously very wrong. That's a that's a very that's not that's not what uh, Calvinism teaches and um, that's not that's a very poor understanding of the gospel and so uh, but and and another problem here that I was going to also wanted to point out and just kind of admonish Peter with this if he ever gets to listen to the episode is uh, the what the scripture says in 1st Timothy 3 2 through 7 which says a bishop must be blameless the husband of one wife temperate sober minded of good behavior hospitable able to teach not able to teach. Okay, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but gentle, gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetous, one who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. For if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? Uh, Not a novice, lest being puffed up with pride he fall into the condemnation, into the same condemnation as the devil. Uh, Moreover, he must have a good testimony among those who are outside, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. So especially that last part, he must not be a novice, lest, being puffed up with pride, he he fall into the same condemnation as a devil. And that is where, as far as we've been able to tell, Peter Christian is headed. So we're admonishing him to repent of his sin, to repent of his errors, and uh, to step off his little platform, and and you know just shut up and get before God and and learn something. Um, that's very. He's in a very dangerous position, and he's misleading people. Uh, very, very in a to very serious error. Um, and one more thing about this that's also very important uh, that's very characteristic of uh, cult-like groups. And I've had I've had my uh, a good number of experiences with cults, and so I've kind of point uh, spotted some patterns in, in in how they tend to operate. And I've noticed that a lot of these guys tend to have a spirit of diatrophies. And uh, the spirit of diatrophies is basically somebody uh, it's it's in third John one nine through ten when he describes uh, what he did. Uh, He says, I have written something to the church, uh, but Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I will bring up what he is doing, talking wicked nonsense against us. And and not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who wants to and puts them out of the church. So if you see this description of what Diotrephes is doing, it's very much similar to like a proto-pope or somebody who has... Uh, put himself on a high horse, and he's putting people out of the church that are not even supposed to be put out. Uh, if anything, he should be he should be the one being put out of the church because he's living like a, well, he's acting like a, like a like a heathen basically, like a false teacher, like a heretic. And so um, we're we're de- we need to call him out for that. And I know we already have. And so that was just the, my two cents that I wanted to uh, admonish him with that. And uh, because he is very similar to cults to the way cults uh, behave. Um, so any comments?
1: I actually have one comment just to make uh, in relation. I agree fully uh, with everything you just said there, Carlos. Um, the Mark Carpenter is um, not only does he damn everybody who doesn't teach limited atonement as such, but he, he also damns those that teach it but are um, what way uh, uh, patient with those who don't believe it. Uh, carpenter actually damned his own father and has damned near enough every theologian in history and Peter Christian and some of his mob are now falling into that same category of it doesn't matter whether like uh, I hold to the five points of Calvinism and uh, it doesn't matter if I hold him exactly the same as him but if if I show any leniency whatsoever to weaker brethren or even to uh try and help people see their way and uh, he near enough is on the platform now of damning them also so he he definitely is um heading towards the same uh, uh issue as my carpenter but my carpenter is the he's like the pinnacle neo-gnostic
2: yeah uh, well said i think that uh this is one of those unfortunate problems where people get uh they get imbalanced and they become too extreme, and they start putting people out of the church with the diatrophies and spirits. So, um, and another thing about about people like Peter, and this is uh this is sadly uh, very common uh, in Facebook, and this is partly why I can't stand Facebook. And if if you've read any of our previous episodes, I've had my rants on Facebook, but we still need to have a big rant on it and lay down the law about that. But, but um, I did want to just mention one thing about about uh, the fact that Facebook is really a, um, it, it's unfortunate that people think that they can just uh, because they have a Facebook profile or because they put themselves out on the internet and the radio that they can just say whatever they want and they can have a platform even though God doesn't did never really call them to it and uh, it's unfortunate because Facebook I would say is actually a fulfillment of what the Bible warns us about in the last days uh, in 2nd Timothy 3 1 through 5 that in the last days perilous times will come For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. So how many of those fit into the behavior that you see of people on Facebook like Peter Christian? That was pretty much most of the list. The
1: whole uh, list. Yeah.
2: Yeah, so um, it's very sad, and I think uh, Christians especially need to watch how they behave on Facebook because we've had a lot of run-ins with, with you know, I call them cyber turds, and I don't mean to be mean or nasty, but that's really what they are. <laughs> uh, they're, basically, that's Funny. they're basically just cyber turds. They're, they're just like cyber buffoons and fools who think they have something to say, who don't have anything better to do. Uh, nobody gets any... They don't get any attention on their profile, so they just want to jump on all of the big, popular, uh, you know, groups and stuff, and just, you know, spill out their their stench and their mess, and uh, just try to get attention, call attention to themselves. So, um, that we there's a lot more that we could be said about Facebook, and we still have some more things to say about it in a in a future episode. But um, any comments on that? Um,
1: oh, I think the cyber turd said it all.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, enough said. So now now we are finally getting into the Lordship controversy um, this is a, a, a par- I'm a little surprised myself that this came to be such a uh, hot topic or I guess it kind of ex- it blew up a little bit on you know the people who follow the the, the Bible thumping we ne- network and I guess a lot of people have very opinionated strong opinions about it and uh, there's a lot of m- misconceptions about the positions and things like that so we really hope to address this carefully with some depth and um, hopefully uh, pr- provide an accurate summary of what the Bible teaches. Um, part of what kind of led to all of this, uh, this whole issue with the Lordship Salvation, is, is detailed in uh, MacArthur's book, The Gospel According to Jesus, which I do not have. I have the Gospel According to the Apostles, so I'm going to be uh, reading a little bit from that. Um, but um, there was this controversy, w- basically, with some of these uh, these guys like uh, Zane Hodges and uh, Charles Ryrie, who were sort of—they've been labeled like easy believists or e- free grace people—who uh, said that you do not you do not have to um, accept Christ as Lord in order to be saved, and you can actually continue to live your your life as a Christian without ever really submitting to Him and still be saved. As long as you just made that decision, you know, X amount of years ago when you were four or five years old, that's all that matters. And so um, there's different extremes that people take on those and, on those views, but that's I guess that would be the one extreme on that on that one end of the spectrum. Um, but I want to just define the lordship position uh, to, just to start and and see what really was at the heart of the matter. What is you know what is all of this about? And so. I'm reading from John MacArthur's The Gospel According to the Apostles, and that's the question he's seeking to answer here. He says, the gospel call to, to faith presupposes that sinners must repent of their sin and yield to Christ's authority. That, in a sentence, is what lordship Lordship, salvation teaches. Uh, and then he goes on to say that he doesn't like lordship, the term, because it's. Uh, he, he says uh, it, it insinuates that a submissive heart is extraneous or supplementary to saving faith, and... Uh, so that surrender to Jesus' lordship is not an addendum, uh, but it is uh, it, the summons to submission is at the heart of the gospel invitation throughout Scripture, uh, is what he says. So <clears throat> I want to list of some of the summary points that he gives defining what lordship uh, teaches. Uh, the first one is here, and he says these articles, these articles of faith, are fundamental <laughs> to all evangelical teaching. And I would take issue with that, but we'll just take it point by point. So he says, Christ's death on the cross uh, paid the full penalty for our sins and purchased eternal salvation. His atoning sacrifice enables God to justify sinners freely without compromising the the perfection of divine righteousness. Romans 3:24-26. His resurrection from the dead declares his victory over sin and death. Uh, I guess there's not much that we would probably disagree with on that one. The next point is salvation is by grace through faith alone, uh, by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ alone. Plus and minus nothing, Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. I don't think we have any issue there. Uh, the third point, however, he says sinners cannot earn salvation or favor with God, Romans 8, 8. And this I would kind of take issue with a little bit uh, because uh, doesn't the Bible say that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him? I mean, doesn't the Bible, isn't the Bible replete with, like, if you obey, God will bless you? Uh, so I, I don't really agree with that point. Uh, what do you all, what do you all think?
3: Well, I think I kind of- just, quick, just quickly um god supplies supplies the means to do that in the first place so um he he makes us able to be righteous or to, to live righteously he puts his spirit in us that allows us to do that so i don't think it's a i don't think it's a technically inaccurate statement but i but obviously there's places in the bible where it says uh that he that he that he you know loves the righteousness and rewards righteousness that's true but he also supplies the ability to do it in the first place
1: yeah just interject and um, I think it's important that we present not just what John MacArthur has written in his uh, book Following the Controversy because his book, his initial book is what caused all the controversy that Horton and all jumped into and his book then on the Apostles is where he uh, basically ironed out a lot of his wrinkles. So um, presenting the history to the subject is important so that we all understand where it is derived from, what what caused it, why why this term in an acronym uh, L.S. has become so prominent after 40 years, and also um, in relation to the rewards merit system, I um, I think that would be better coming again further on down the line as soon after we tackle the main issues in Lordship Salvation, what what is causing the biggest problem and how they view faith.
2: Yeah, yeah. When we finish this, uh, brother Gary, if you know more about the the history, uh, or if you have the book or that you can, you know, refer to it or something, we can talk about a little bit more about the history. But yeah, I did want to go through this just to see, just to make sure that people know and understand what it is that MacArthur was uh, is defining as lordship, salvation, and really he is the the quintessential. Uh, he he is basically the 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 arbiter of this position, the the defining. Uh, Head of it because he, he kind of, it's and this is not an, a new issue, right? I mean, this is obviously no, not uh, something uh, that's new. This is this is as ancient as the the times of the apostles itself because Paul himself was dealing with this issue. The apostles were dealing with this when they say, you know, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? That is in essence what the Lordship controversy controversy also deals with. So, um, but in the in the modern respect of how it's been. Um, how the debate has been uh, framed. Uh, the, MacArthur is really the one who kind of set all of this up. And yeah. so um, so the next well, point here, oh, go ahead.
1: Sorry. I was just gonna say that like, if you study um, the likes of the English Civil War and Richard Baxter, the English Puritan, you'll see that this issue was very prominent then. And in around the Westminster Divines also, you will see that this issue was very prominent. And um, it was where people were struggling uh, to accept this easy believerism and the uh, term anti nomianism and unfortunately what always seems to happen when somebody presents anti clearly there is a tendency for us to become neo nomian is to add law imperatives into the gospel in order to prove salvation because we feel that people are giving it away too freely so uh, the natural default of all humanity every one of us even at times is to self justify is to try to cover our nakedness with leaves and uh, unfortunately sometimes we try to bring that mentality to the argument so i I'm, i just think that it's important that like i am i am no expert in this lordship issue i have been looking at it a lot recently because of all the arguing but i have studied quite a bit into relation of this antinomian and neo-nomian controversy that has been going on for hundreds of years as you say rightly way back to the times of the apostles but MacArthur didn't coin lordship salvation as such this is more uh the term and an acronym that was used to try and uh present uh, the doctrine out of the order of salutis the order of salvation so Uh, And respect, both him and and Rari and uh, Hodges were um, trying to reinvent the wheel.
2: Yeah, and I did listen to a sermon by Phil Johnson about it. And he said that the term was coined by somebody in Florida. I forgot his name, but it was a professor in Florida that was causing a lot of. uh, uh, He was very vehemently opposing the concept of submitting to Christ as Lord. And uh, I think he was a fundamentalist as well. So. Yeah. That tends to be very associated with those guys. and um but yeah, and I, I want to make this clear. This is where I think it's important to make sure that we distinguish things pro- properly because I think it's wrong to say that you can to say that you we cannot earn, oh wait, okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I actually do agree with what he said because he said, sinners, sinners cannot earn salvation or favor with God. Um, uh, so yes, that is absolutely correct. I misread that. Um, but I do believe that as believers, it, we, if we obey God and if we seek him, God will reward us and he does uh, bless us and, and bestow his favor on us. So um, I don't know what he would say about that. But, um, yeah, I agree, agree with that. this
3: that. So, so to be fair, like in, in defending um, the, the, I guess, uh, to a degree, MacArthur's position. Um, I probably have I have a ton of exposure to his sermons, so I, I might be drawing from things that are not in the book in regards to things that he said that might help. But hopefully will help clarify things.
2: Yeah, yeah. Good. Um, So next point is God requires of those who are saved no preparatory works or prerequisite self-improvement. I guess probably no real issue there either. Uh, I think this might be touching a little bit on the, uh, uh, the, the preparationism kind of thing about having to go through a process or having to hear the law before you get saved and things like that. Um, and, and we've talked about, again, here we go again, right? This is this is dealing very much with what we talked about regarding NCT or New Covenant Theology because it is, in a, in a sense, it is actually very important to talk about the law when you're talking about the gospel because that is how we define sin. Sin is a, a transgression of God's law. And so um, uh, that's just something important to keep in mind there. And I apologize for my, my baby girl. She's been teething recently, so. Uh, just Incredible. bear with me. All right. So the next point is eternal life is a gift of God. Did, did I read that? Yes. Uh, believers. Believers. Oh, no, no. I'm sorry. Yeah, that was the next point. Uh, no, no issue there, right? Eternal life is a gift of God. Next point. Believers are saved and fully justified before their faith ever produces a single righteous work. Uh, that's absolutely correct. Uh, Ephesians 2.10. The next point. Christians can and do sin. Even the strongest Christians wage constant and intense struggle against sin in the flesh, Romans 7, 15 to 24. Genuine believers sometimes commit heinous sins, as did, as did, as David did in 2 Samuel 11. And that was the, basically the, the sort of summary points that he gave. He he gives a few other ones that um, he, he defines, uh, that he's also using to define uh the, the the position so I'm going to read a couple of those as well but um, any comment on on that so far
1: but just actually uh, say that the sovereign grace guys uh, now any good sovereign grace guy even the one who denies progressive sanctification will present it in a way as what they'll say um, that you grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord so they don't like the word progressive sanctification but they do present this maturity and grace and knowledge but um, the, the thing is that um, one of Peter Christian's uh, mob uh, actually blocked me and uh, defriended me because he believed that John Calvin was uh, going to be damned in hell for committing murder. So that was his position. So which is strange that whenever they attack people of being, you know, uh, Lord shippers and then they're, you know, meant to be the so-called antinomians. They were the ones who are actually showing no grace whatsoever.
0: Yeah. That would be a glaring inconsistency.
3: Yeah. Well, they would condemn, uh, you know, I, I, I like that. Um, cause I've brought up David a lot. Um, it's funny cause it, like with most other things, I kind of backed into Lordship. I, I had the position before I ever knew that there was one. Um, David's a wonderful example because that would he would be also condemning David at the same time. Exactly. Uh, And and after after David had passed, every time God references to David, he talks about his righteousness, particularly in regards to um, his uh, his consistency in worshiping just the one true God, as opposed to the leaders that would come later that would maybe like take half measures to remove the the Ashram pole and Pullen, et cetera in their kingdom. So um, we can't uh, we can't hold the different um, we can't hold the standard better than God does.
2: Yeah, and I I think it's also very important to keep in mind that a lot of people some people tend to fall into. I know I've kind of had these thoughts too. Like, well, David had him. You know, he had a, he had him. He had some Bathsheba, So you know, it's not that bad if I if I do this or do a little bit of that. You know, it's that's he suffered horrendous consequences for his sin. Um, God made him pay very dearly for for what for the the grievous sins that he committed, and it was uh, very disastrous stuff. I mean, his son died. Um, his his own his other son tried to kill him. I mean, there was a range of problems that he left uh, because of his sin. So that's not, that is still very much a lesson to learn from, from David's life, even though he did repent and he did uh, eventually, you know, turn uh, turn turn from his ways and, and follow God.
1: I, I think it's a good lesson to learn so that, it, you know, instills, you know, what Scripture, Scripture is very clear on, on its sort of creedal imperatives to make God known and make man known. You know how great and wonderful god is and how sinful and terrible we are but you have to always remember that god doesn't have to punish us in a way that's severe like that because of gross sin it's because david was unrepentant in his sin continuing in his sin boasting in his sin and god finally brought it to fruition but also he wanted to reveal something as well because you know we could any one of us could fall into gross uh, sin but God's grace is sufficient. It's not to say that we have license, you know, Lord forbid. But it is to say that we, if we do sin in a certain way, it doesn't mean to say we need to be punished like David, because our our sin deserves hell fire, deserves the ultimate punishment. We deserve wrath morning, noon, and night. But by the grace of God,
3: I think that the um, the the thing to keep in mind, and I think this is in feel free to say something if I'm wrong, but it, but this is where we all agree is that the the proper view of a, of a saving faith is one that uh, pro- the, though having an appreciation for, for being forgiven of all sins um, has an aversion to it because it offends God. Um, not being um, afraid of sin because of punishment, but hating sin because it offends uh, our holy God whom we love uh, in this way that the commandments are not burdensome. Exactly.
2: Yeah, obviously see, we i'll just say this real quick obviously we want to please god and that's why we follow him because god gives us a new heart but there's nothing wrong with also saying that hey i don't want to go to hell i mean i I don't want to go to hell either you know so that that's that's obviously there's a very practical uh consequences to believing the gospel and following god because yeah there's benefits tied to that yeah right right. it's not either
3: or or. it's it's if and or no, not if and it's all uh, and also both
1: Our our gratitude to salvation as sinners, Romans uh, 5 verse 8, whilst we were yet sinners, Christ Jesus died for us. Knowing that God loved us, our gratitude showcases that we're constrained by the love of God. By faith we are bound to Christ, constrained by his love and that's what produces godliness. It is, that's what produces the the fruit. That's why our obedience then shines forth. But, you know, whenever we are not constrained by that love, like whenever, if we try to use law imperatives as the means and the measure to determine our salvation, then we're not constrained by love. Rather, we're constrained by self-righteousness. Well, uh,
3: I think a proper view of the law on that, though, is uh, the law is love. Um,
1: the the laws look and how you view you before it yes like david said in psalm 119 remove from me the way of lying and grant me thy law gracefully how can we as wretched sinners apprehend the law in a gracious way only through the grace that we have received by christ alone so therefore we can look at the law as a guide as a teacher as such which does help us you know, because now we know what the standard is, but it's only our love for Christ that constrains us and therefore produces the gratitude and showcases the fruit because it's not, our, our works on back to the law would, would actually condemn us like when Paul spoke to the Galatian church.
0: Yeah. Hey, uh well, so Carlos, I wanted to follow up with something that you said, that there's no... uh there's no there's nothing wrong with uh fearing going to hell um you know that, that by the fear of the Lord men shall depart their their wicked ways and uh just talking about continuing in sin and not having that fear Uh, Hebrews 10 verses 26 through 27 reads for if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth there no longer remains a sacrifice for sin, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. So I just wanted to follow up with that uh, talking about the. We're talking about David, and we're talking about the the fact that people do sin and uh, commit grievous sins, and even uh, even after they're they're Christians, even after they're saved, we we hear stories about uh, brothers who fall into adultery just like David did. And the, the, I think one of the differences is, you know, this verse has a has a has a very serious warning for those who just continue on and continue on and continue on. And Joseph, I think that uh, I, I'm trying to. I, I'm going off of one hour, one and a half hours of sleep. So I'm trying to remember everything that was said, but Joseph, you said something about uh, uh the the fact that we, you know, I, I completely forgot what you said, Joseph. So I'm going to have to go back and listen to it. But what do you, what,
3: what do you think I said?
0: I think, I think <laughs> you said something good, but um, something oh, yeah, you're about, right.
3: You're right. I did.
0: So, something about not continuing in sin. Uh, there should be a change in, in the life. Um, And Th- that was me. Oh well, well, there you go. Well, in fact, that
3: was all of us. Yeah. Well, if, <laughs> remember we're all saying that.
0: If, if it was, if it was, i I'm, I'm read Romans 6. whatever. I'm referring to a particular statement which I apparently have forgotten, and uh, uh Carlos, you can't just claim it if it's right, okay? Because uh, you it were and saying earlier, it. No, yeah. name it and claim it. <laughs> well, Hold anyways, on. I just wanted to make the distinction that the the difference between somebody who's who's and uh. Uh, Gary, you pointed out that that for a time David wasn't repenting, and so that God yeah. had to, God had to uh, really intervene in his life in a in a very strong and particular way to bring about that that repentance. But that's exactly what God does for those whom He is is uh, for those whom He's called and and have elected and and saved. That He will bring about that repentance. And yeah. so I just wanted to make that that distinction clear: is that the difference between somebody who is is regenerate and not regenerate is, is somebody who is not regenerate and not saved will continue on. And and you could you could sort of look at it like their consciences are seared to the point where they 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 won't repent. But those who and those people, after they've heard the truth, there is no other sacrifice to be made other than Christ. And so once they've heard that and they reject that, they they really have nothing else to expect. Except for hell's fire, and the Christian can can expect that God is going to do something. Uh, or, or if you see somebody who's who's professing to be a Christian, you can expect that God is going to bring about repentance in their life eventually, and that that will uh, because you know as it says in uh, in James chapter two that there there needs to be fruit, there needs to be uh, there there needs to be obedience at some point. So I just wanted to make that. Uh, that little caveat, and I'll let you guys. Uh, have we gotten off the lordship salvation stuff? Do we need to go back to that? Um, no, I
1: don't. I don't think we're getting off it. Carlos is sort of presenting. Not at the at all. <clears throat> the punch hey, that it, MacArthur has, uh, is bringing in his in his second book uh, after the initial controversy in MacArthur's attempt to rebuke the anti-Nomian. Well,
0: I'll just, uh, I'll see my way out and I'll let you guys have the floor. So okay. go for it.
3: So um, I think it would be, it would be, uh, and so I think we disagree on this, but I think it would be best if we focused on uh, what the present view of it is. Um, unfortunately, I think all of us could be taken apart if somebody, uh, had uh, had gone back to something we said before that we have since corrected and dismantled us from there um, I think I think it might uh, do us best if we just deal with his uh, the, the present view on it the corrections that have been made um, Because I know that the history is important, but uh, but if he if, if he's already since corrected it, I think we're just kind of uh, uh, feeling good about how we know better than what he already knows better then
1: no no I, I think I, I actually disagree with you there brother and and I'll explain why I, I, I don't mean it with any disrespect it, it's not a matter of going back to look at what MacArthur has fixed and then pick a hole on him because of something that he had wrong no okay. lord forbid
3: yeah he
1: never do that the point that I'm talking about going back is because some people now are still condemning people for the view that was held back then okay and, and also some like I, I wrote it in that article that i wrote the, the, the problem with the lordship controversy is that it's not new it is yeah. a, it is a reinventing of the wheel it is something that's being done uh uh really um to engage people in a debate and, and, a, and a fight about what camp they belong to like I belong to this celebrity pastor, but I belong to this celebrity pastor. And unfortunately, um John MacArthur, I actually heard him say this himself whenever uh, Charles Rari died, and John MacArthur says that he sat down with Charles Rari and tried to show him, you know, how he had you know where he was erring in, in relation to faith. He said that Rari agreed with him. And MacArthur says to him, he says, you know. Rari was like one of the nicest men that he had ever met in his life. He gave him his car. Was really hospitable. lovely, lovely man. And he says that uh, to make he says uh, MacGuffin says to Rari, you know, well, why are you siding with uh, you know sort of Ian Hodges? And he says that you know that he was his friend, and he sort of thought everybody was attacking him, so he felt like he would side with him to defend him. So you know. Uh, unfortunately, as as, as as nice that it is, in a way, it sort of appeals to our humanity, it's also completely ignorant. And in, in a respect that that's what we see a lot now, with how yeah. people are approaching this subject, they're approaching it ignorantly. So I do feel that it's important that we do cover the history, and, and I don't mean go into extensive detail, yeah. but it would be important to cover the history of it. And then lay out a foundation to how we're going to attack, uh, 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 tackle each facet that has caused this controversy. And should this actually still be present today?
3: Well, so, so two things to that. So I agree with approaching it from that point of view. That's, that's the, Typically, it's, uh, it's, uh, what I've seen people talk about it is he had it wrong here, he had it wrong there. And that's not really dealing with, uh, with the issue. But to talk about it historically in regards to how kind of being people up to speed uh, is super helpful. Um, yeah I, I think that I think that we should definitely um, definitely do that so I didn't mean for it to come out the other way but I, yeah, I, no,
1: I no, I understand I think, um, what you're saying but because it, it, the way people are handling it I can understand you saying that but yeah. um, the, the thing is that if we ignore the history of it we're actually yeah. I tell you the truth me being reformed confessional means that we're ignoring the reform confessional teaching because in some respects both those guys did
3: yes no i i i get that this, but like like we uh, i think carlos brought this up earlier we um we're not tackling a new issue It's the issue that existed prior to uh pre- confessional reformed theology i exactly. uh, i i think what he was doing though is addressing something that's pervasive today um, as opposed to trying to reinvent something, but dealing with a with a mod with a problem that's modern right now, like like in you know Paul wasn't uh, addressing the Galatian heresy uh, in regards to uh, works-based salvation or adding works to salvation um, with every church that he wrote a letter to. He wrote that letter to the Galatians, and I think yeah, in, he
1: also he also did Second Corinthians five. Yes. where the legalists had come in and basically yeah. were trying to collapse sanctification into justification.
3: Yeah, exactly. My, my point is though, is that he didn't write the same letter to each of them. He addressed the issue where it needed to be addressed and I think that that was more of what the lordship controversy was. It wasn't trying to reinvent a teaching, it was more of addressing the, the, um, the errant uh, or antinomian or, or free grace or whatever you want to call it, uh, view. Um, and yeah, as opposed to trying to reinvent doctrine. I think it was trying to make clear what the Bible says about these doctrines. Yeah.
2: All right. M- my turn. My turn. All right. <laughs> okay. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, I think here's the thing that I did want to. So it, this is a very interesting and I, it was funny because I was just about to say that it was it's about to get spicy and uh, but I didn't have to say it. So um, so the thing is that when and I remember reading one of Clark's books and he said uh, reading the history of philosophy is actually doing philosophy uh, because when you look at the history of philosophy you see why we are where we are <clears throat> excuse me you see why we are where we are today <clears throat> and in that sense excuse me it's also very important it, the, sa- it, the same applies to theology uh, actually pastor Tommy Nelson he has a really good uh, series on church history and he says uh, that history, uh, church history, is really the plumb line of theology, uh, because when you when you study church history and when you study historical theology, you see why we are where we are today. Um, so it is extremely important to study the history of how these issues developed, because that is where they originated and why they originated and why they are still issues even now. And so, um, so yeah, it, it, it's very important to to no, to understand and know. Uh, how this you know the going all the way back as far as you can it, it is extremely important to talk about those things and yeah we we have a limited amount of time on a podcast so it's important for people to to do you know to do their research and do their due diligence and read these books and and all that but um, another, another thing is that um, I, going you know with, with MacArthur what, and from what i understand when he wrote his gospel according to jesus he was actually responding to the teaching of Zane Hodges and uh, I think Ryrie as well. Because they, they had published books they had published books like in the 70s and he published his in 88, the first edition. So, and they had like a book in the 60s and 70s I think so th- this was already this uh, this already had traction before MacArthur jumped into it but it was his book that kind of erupted uh, the controversy to the public uh, you know, to, to, up to the front and center and it actually, he talks about it in, in, the, in the foreword to, to the gospel according to the apostles, that it became like a, the first uh, the first doctrinal bestseller. And uh, because this actually got through, it's almost kind of like back in the day when people were arguing about our, our Arianism. Everybody had an opinion about it and everybody had something to say about it because that was like the controversy of the day. Uh, so it's very similar to that, um, but in some ways. Okay, but another thing. um. Zane Hodges, from, from what Phil Johnson was saying in a sermon about this, Zane Hodges, these the, the easy believers guys, they tended to be very nasty uh, in their criticisms and then in their invective against the the Lordship guys. So they can be uh, fundamentalist, uh, King James onlyists, and fundamentalists. They have, and I know this because I came from that movement. I started off as a King James onlyist, and a lot of these guys can be very vicious and very immature when they call out other people's teaching. To correct it they can be very nasty and uh that's one of the things that apparently coming from these guys the the the, the easy believers guys they they tended to be very harsh in their criticisms without really giving you know macarthur or whoever else the opportunity to to make corrections or to to respond at least so yeah
1: yeah and. Um I think uh, it should be known, um, if we're going to talk about Ian Hodge, it's the way I have learned is that the uh, controversy started around 1979 and uh, until MacArthur then wrote his book and then obviously, as you say, erupted. But the books became bestsellers, which lifted these ministers uh, into celebrity status. And so, you know, there is a political aspect to this as well. Uh, as opposed to just a, a theological and um, you know th- I think it's important that if, especially in this you know discussion that we're having that we try to challenge our precepts uh, uh, in relation to the political aspect of it you know so like if I do like MacArthur or if I do like Horton that I'm prepared to actually allow these men to be challenged for what they have said but on the same time, still respect them for what yeah. they've
3: done. I think one of the things we've said uh, in another podcast that, that, we, that we hold to pretty well is that we don't defend people, we defend doctrine. Exactly. Um, so so I, that, that I think we're all in the same mind of that. Um, what I, well, The only thing I'm going to do in regards to uh, MacArthur specifically is just because I've been so exposed to his teaching, if, uh, if he said something, like I said, that, that, that clarifies uh, a misunderstanding of a position, then, then I'm going to point it out. But other than that, um, you know, what he said, if if, he, if, if I don't have that and uh, and it seems like he's in error, then I have to deal with that biblically. So Yeah, um, but
1: just just if you haven't read, um, buy and purchase Christ the Lord, uh, the Reformation and Lordship Salvation by Dr. Michael Horton, because it's not just Horton, but there's also a series of other reformed guys who have took this apart and also helped MacArthur in, Writing his second and third book afterwards yeah. to try and help him with, to fix the confusion that he caused. And I'll use the word confusion because I can actually prove that. But um, in, in, in rather than you know calling them names, but uh, really just the confusion that that was caused. But back to the Ian Hodges, I think it's important to know where his belief system came from. Uh, he had a friend who he believed loved the Lord and this friend backslid for a time and during this time that the friend backslid uh, he was killed in a car accident and apparently this is where this whole concept on doctrine of you know having jesus as your savior but you must make him lord derived from and uh, this sort of easy believism you know Through his the way he started to look at you know this confession, you know I made a confession this sort of ascent of faith. I made a confession here and therefore that's what covers me and therefore um, whilst the uh, The friend who died in the accident seemed like an unrepentant backslider to him He was still saying he just wasn't making christ his lord so it, it um it didn't actually derive so far from John MacArthur uh, as such. MacArthur then came in and started to challenge this teaching, but the root of it actually stems from free will dispensationalism. And uh, like I remember when I was a Pentecostal, I was actually told that and taught that, that you know, Jesus died to be our saviour, but you must make him Lord. So it it, it is very prominent uh, within the charismatic pentecostal church and not just the the, the sort of uh, uh more cultic type king James onlyists and so forth
3: yeah it's almost, like uh, they, it's almost like they developed a position off of de- 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 wanting to defend um you know their way of doing evangelism at the same time is the, the the method of evangelism is you know get somebody to agree to something and they're saved um and uh, and then you know and that's an easier way of doing evangelism if you want to call it that unfortunately it just leads people to hell um, but, um, the, the, and more specifically with a false sense of security. Um, the the, 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 I think the part of it is just like the people went more toward a man centered idea of what the gospel is, um, in a lot of ways and, and, and left God out of it in a lot of ways. And, and then they had to defend all of their errors simultaneously. And that's how you end up with, you know, um, the uh, the broken form of evangelism that's not biblical, as well as the um, the the the, un, the the lack of understanding of what saving faith produces in a man.
2: Yeah. Right, that you know that that's a good point to uh, springboard off of Joseph. So uh, the uh, you, the thing about this, and we need to just set the record straight with respect to the uh, the other extreme of easy believism or no lordship, no lordship as uh, the you know MacArthur calls it, and there's also radical no lordship, which is even more, I guess radical or extreme or whatever, but um, when you say, when you say to people that you don't have to submit to Christ or that you don't have to submit to his authority or that you don't, uh, all you have to do is believe that he died for your sins, what you're doing is you're actually fragmenting the gospel and you're, and you're sort of divorcing the gospel from the rest of its biblical context. And what what you have here is just another version of mere Christianity. And this is what happens with people who fall into these extremes or who fall into imbalances and immaturity because they're not they're still on milk or they shouldn't be teaching or they haven't properly studied the Bible as comprehensively and systematically as they should have. And you get all kinds of these little pseudo theological systems that have that are riddled with errors and, and inconsistencies because once again, they're not rightly dividing the word of truth and it's an attempt to create a subclass of Christians who are, you know, they call them carnal Christians, and they say that, oh, you can actually be a a Christian as long as you made a decision. Uh, At one point in your life, you made a decision for Christ and you can still be living like a total hellion, not without any conscience of, of, of or desire to seek after God's ways and still be saved and still be considered a Christian. And that's basically all it is. The the problem is with their understanding of the gospel. They don't understand the gospel because they don't understand it in context to the rest of the entire system of doctrine that's taught in the Bible. They don't understand Christianity as a whole. Well, correct
0: correct me if I'm wrong, uh, but uh, just to me, it sounds like what you just said, Carlos, is really a, a breeding ground for what we would consider to be false converts today, and I think one of the things that uh, Thanks, you know, Gary, Gary, you, you were talking about the fact that is it was Zane Hodges friend uh, passed away, and he was trying to deal with that. You, you know, we live we live in a society where every time somebody dies, they go to heaven. We we read in the newspapers uh, that they they're now angels, that they have angel wings, that you know God needed another angel up in heaven, so he called so and so up. You know, and this person died in a car accident. and I mean it's it's extremely difficult for for people to to e- even consider the fact that, hey, some of you know somebody may not have been saved. And it sounds like there there's an attempt to be able to account for somebody's salvation that maybe we don't have the assurance of. when we look at somebody's life, I mean, if somebody's backslidden and and I'm thinking of uh, first uh, for James two nineteen. Somebody correct me if if this is wrong, but where it says that they went out from us, that it might be made known that they were not w- uh, of us to begin with. Um, and, and so uh, we have first to take John those, first John. Thank you, first John um, two nineteen. Right on that first John two nineteen. Somebody will look it up.
1: Um,
0: <clears throat> Jesus, um, Jesus quote yeah.
1: scripture not in verse. The what? Jesus quoted scripture, not name and verse. Right. So yeah, okay. you, you know what I mean. I, 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 there's two. There's a false sense of Christian party out there with guys who get the verse, name, number, near drill them into their memory so that this, they come across as spiritual elite. But to be honest, quoting the scripture is more important than quoting the name and the verse.
2: That's not fair. No, no, that's not fair. If if they had Bible verses back then, Jesus would quote the Bible verse.
1: <laughs> well. All right. In, in
2: my,
3: my, in my defense, he's English
2: too. Yeah. In, 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 <laughs> I, I don't know why there's
0: a little jab there, but in my defense, the reason I'm I'm trying to get the the verse right and naming the verse is so that people can actually check it and read it for themselves. Oh, but, I was actually defending it, not defending
1: uh, it. You. you know,
0: <laughs> I, 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 I agree I, with his defense too. <laughs> well, I, I, look again. You I are tagged. I am on an hour and a half of sleep, so I, I do apologize. but uh, it just sounds like it sounds to me like people are trying to account for others who we, we may we may look at their lives and we may we may recognize or think that um, th- there's a lack of assurance there. And so we're trying to sort of make the tent bigger and and account for people who who actually may not be Christians. And, and sort of give them a pass into, well, but they prayed this prayer and, you know, they believe, but they haven't made him Lord. So that's, uh. <laughs> and, and um, I'm going to have to go back and listen to what you said, Gary, because it went ooh, right over my head. And I, I'm just like, I just want people to know that I am I am super tired. If if I misquote a, a Bible verse, uh, I, I really want people to look these up for themselves. That's what I always say. Look it up for yourself. So anyways, all right, that's my piece.
3: People don't realize how utterly sinful it is to do that people have absolutely no clue how much of an affront to God it is to say, tell God he's not fair whatever he decided to do exactly they, they want to play God they want to replace God with themselves and being the one who to decide because they have some form sort of perverted love that isn't from Scripture for that person as, that is not pure, pure, perfect and just and holy and righteous and sovereign um, that they can decide for God as if God did not know what he was doing um, that they're saved um, it's a it's a it's a perversion of worship, um, and and so I, I hadn't really thought of it that way before, but it really is uh, really really horrible um, to assume on God's justice uh, that He would have done something that is contrary to what He said He would do. It's calling God a liar.
2: Exactly, that's exactly the problem. What the problem here is that people have have a fractured and disconnected. They try to they try to uh, 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 what do you call it like they they try to di- um, fragment or divide cut out a little piece of the Bible and make it acceptable to hold to this without without considering any of its relation or context or implications on anything else. And when you re- when you say that you can be saved because you made a decision and you live like Satan himself, you live worse than unbelievers. In fact, that's very common. For a lot of people who say that they're Christians, they live they live just as bad, if not worse, than um, than other unbelievers uh, around them. Um, you're actually you're rejecting God Himself. You are spitting on the holiness of God, uh, and you're you're exactly you're calling God a liar because God said that He would change you, that He that He does change you if you are indeed <clears throat> if you are indeed saved. And um, another point to uh, that I wanted to to return to, talking about you know, defending the, the 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 Bible and not the man. You know, I have no problem, and I, I'm not saying this to correct you, Joseph, because I think you'll probably agree with this, but I, I have no problem defending MacArthur insofar as I think he's right about yes. what his position on the Bible. I have no problem defending him. I have no problem defending his opponents if I think they're wrong on a, or right on a certain issue, and I have no problem disagreeing with them either. Um, as <clears throat> Bereans, that's what we're called to do. In fact, now a lot of people, I think they're speaking of false senses of piety. I, I think a lot of people, when I talk to about controversies and church controversies uh, that are epitomized or exemplified by by certain influential leaders in the church, um, they say, "Well, I don't want to get involved in that because that's just a bunch of scuffle. That's just a scuffle between two two old guys that, you know, that 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 was inappropriate. They shouldn't have done that." It's like, "No, no, 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 no. That's not always the case." And that. A lot of times, what they, what, what, what is happening there, um, is there is a doctrinal divide that is becoming very crucial to the the purity of the churches uh, of the church, and so that is exactly what happens every time there's a theological controversy. It's extremely important to be able to discern the differences and to take a side, where to take the proper side if there is a proper side to, to land on, and to defend the man if he is right. We should vindicate our brothers and sisters if they're correct. And we should stand up for them because they're our brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, it's it's very, I, I get very upset and very frustrated when people just dismiss that as like, oh, well, we don't defend. It sounds very pious. You know, we don't defend men here. Uh, well, you know, then w- honestly, like, that's just, that's kind of yeah. silly because even even Christ himself defended John the Baptist. Yeah. You, no. So, so, so it, there, there's the idea.
3: The, the idea with that, and I think you 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 actually you got it perfectly right. Is that in so much that uh like not raising them above obviously what Scripture says, right? So the in so much that they agree with Scripture, I would defend any man. Yeah.
0: Right. And so and I think, let me uh, let me just uh, Carlos, uh, that came up in my discussion with Peter, and I think that that's where that originated. And um, what what happened was I'd I'd seen people it, once we started to defend John MacArthur, um. Uh, people in Peter's camp would say like, Oh, you're just defending the man. And so I made the point to say, we're not defending the man over and against the word of God. So in defending the man, we uphold the scriptures and we uphold the truth that, that they, that they teach. And in so doing, we actually defend the man. But I think, I think that's what Joseph was trying to say is that we don't, we don't defend the man over and against the word of God. If the, if the man is wrong, then the man is wrong. And, and uh, you know, we, we, you just i think as gary that mentioned uh, celebrity pastors uh we 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 really need to be careful with how we approach these these men who are extremely influential in the church today because for for one thing they are men and we need to be good brieans and look at what they're saying in light of god's word alone but then in in another sense we need to we need to be very careful because they are they're they're uh, they're giants in, in their own respect. Uh, when, when, when we look at what God is doing through them, and so we need to, we need to be very careful when we evaluate them and we, when we disagree with them. And we, we just need to make sure that that's, that that's accurate what we're saying and uh, to the best of our ability, and not just be brash and, and childish and, uh, and the way that we go about it. But you said you, you get very upset when, when people say that, and I, I, I just. I know you're not mad at Joseph right now because that would just be awkward, but um, the defining point is we, we can defend the man, but not over and against the word of God. That, that, I think that should take care of that.
2: Yeah, and I guess actually I, I, you, you probably didn't hear what I said to him because I prefaced it by saying that Joseph would probably agree with me. Yeah, no, I, I, that's why I laughed because I was just kidding with you. But, but
0: and the, now, now you did make it awkward. Okay. Yeah. Now, now I'm mad at you. Like, what is this? <laughs> all right. All right. Uh, I'm going back to sleep.
1: I need to contribute here, and um, jo- Joseph uh, presented uh, one side of the swinging pendulum as such. Um, the other side is that whenever we are faced ourselves with a family member who's dying, who's outside of the Lord, and we're desperately seeking the Lord for any glimmer of hope, and security for our family member, what do we? Put that hope on do we put the hope on the confession that the family member would make Do we put the hope on the works of the family member would have Or do we put the hope on? Christ and his gospel and the security and that if they professed and believed See we're a, bit a little bit hypocritical this way. It's sort of like when you're uh, When you burn your bum in a fire you have to learn how to sit in your blisters And sometimes until we've burnt our bums, we don't really know what it's like to sit on blisters. And therefore, we can be a bit, uh, uh, you know, lacking when it comes to understanding the human emotion in relation to dealing with death
3: and sin. So just on that note, my wife's uh, father died last week. Um, Yeah. Okay, so so I have have very recent intimate knowledge of what, what we're talking about. Um, my comfort to her because he seemed to 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 have some kind of desire for, but he'd be but he'd be asking for a Catholic priest. Um, so I don't want to. I, I, at the same time, I don't want to give a false sense of encouragement. I also have to be. Um, I love my wife. You know, I, I care for exactly. her. And I, and I don't want her to 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 be hurting. But at the end, I just my my encouragement to her was, um, God is good and He'll do what's right. And so, and so I trust, I trust God to do what's good and right. And I don't, I'm not going to say one, one way or the other. I, and I I keep my, my thoughts on that um, largely to myself because I still am not the arbiter. Right. Um, But, um, but I just trust God to do what's good. And, and I will, I know that when I, when I meet him uh, being God, um, I will know that what he did was right. And I'll love him for it and I'll appreciate it and and I'll praise him for it.
1: You see that, the, the thing is, yeah, I, I agree with you like, you know, if we're trying to pre- present a C.S. Lewis type easy believers, you know uh, moderate Christianity that um, Basically everybody goes to heaven if they any time said a sinner's prayer or you know, like that's charles feeney's mentality of of how to become a christian Um, We 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 can fall into that camp, you know, like how do we comfort? Our loved ones when we see a loved one dying like how did I receive comfort when my father was assaulted at sixty two years old by a fog and left paralyzed and brain damaged? When a week before that my mum was diagnosed with a terminally ill a disease, what was my comfort? Well it was the word of God, Exodus fourteen verse fourteen, The Lord your God will fight for you and you only have to be a still. Because, you know, everything inside of me wanted to take that into my hands and become like David swinging a big sword. But unfortunately, I had to put my, or not unfortunately, fortunately, uh, I put my trust in the Lord and know that the Lord will deal with this and everything is happening for his determined purpose. So, like, when we look at philosophy and we see the righteousness of God revealed in human suffering, we can understand why. And that you know, no matter what, the reprobate or the reprobate, they hate God and hate God for eternity. And whenever you know we are uh, before the glory of Christ, uh, we will not be uh, worrying about uh, who's who's in heaven and who's not in heaven. But when we are confronted with the reality, it does bring us into a bit of a an emotional roller coaster. And and I think How just experienced that. But then again, by the way he teaches and what he teaches i wouldn't class him as a believer to be honest but on the other side of it when macarthur was addressing the situation i do believe that what happened was there was sheer antinomianism and then what happened was there was a confusion of of uh, of neo-nomianism because of an overreaction to try and rebuke this type of easy believerism and like what you rightfully said earlier there tim was whenever you were reading in the scriptures we know that those whom christ has saved will persevere so those that fall away never were and that's not what we're meant to focus our message on we're not meant to be presenting a message to counteract easy believerism we're meant to be presenting the truth and it will automatically it will uh uh, uh, what's that word um organically counteract easy believerism because whenever you're preaching the law gospel distinction in this proper way you know the spirit of the lord will deal with the rest of it and i think sometimes that when we put the emphasis uh to combat a certain problem we can actually go off the scale ourselves you know our own emotions uh, come in and then it becomes more of a battle and it can all become very confusing but um uh, you said yourself, Carlos and uh, uh, Joseph, you said that you will defend MacArthur as long as you feel he was right. That's why I think it's important that you actually read these books, because he did say something that I'll, I'll quote this and ask you, would you defend it? And this was from his book. okay? And this was the confusion that he presented and. Um, What does John MacArthur mean when he says repentance is at the core of saving faith?
0: Hey Gary, what what book is that? Just uh, so we're clear.
1: This this book that I have is uh, now I have this one with me. This is uh, Christ is the Lord, and this is the one that was written after the MacArthur book. But whilst he Horton was writing this book, he actually uh, helped MacArthur correct his book. But he had already you know started of taking at the task. So um, this book actually goes a lot more lenient on them than what it would have originally, and that's a bit of the the historical truth in relation to it. So MacArthur does say, and it gives page number and all in here of his book and what he says, and like we could share this later. I just, as I say, you told me about this debate yesterday, and you know, if I had a bit of time to prepare, I would have this information for you. But this is this is the confusion. That uh, MacArthur presented. This is one part of the confusion he presented. It was what does he what does he mean whenever he says that repentance is at the core of saving faith? Now, if we believe in sola fide, in faith alone, why is he infusing repentance into faith? Is that what faith means?
3: Absolutely. So this is one of the
1: confusing aspects of of the of the controversy. So the yeah
3: the, so uh,
2: I would oh go, go ahead, ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well I'll I'll say uh, very quickly so um I was gonna springboard into the the next uh point where we're gonna start sorting the chat from the week but I guess uh, brother Gary beat me to the punch here so <laughs> when it comes to <laughs> th- here's here's another thing that I guess it's a uh, uh, it, it came up so we might as well deal with it now when we're talking about repentance and faith there's one thing that has to be understood I think um, the, here's, well here's my position on it I think Tim agrees uh, I'm not sure where where you all are, are at with this but when the Bible says to repent and believe the gospel or when the Bible says to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ repentance is already an implicit part of faith because when you when you have a command to believe the gospel you previously did not believe the gospel that's why you are commanded to believe it in order to be saved and so when you believe the gospel that is the repentance that is taking place. It's a change of mind from not believing the gospel, not believing in God, not believing the Bible, to then believing uh, the gospel and believing that Christ died for your sins. So repentance is, and I'm not sure if MacArthur defines it this way, but but it does seem like he, he says that, uh, he, he does say something that I would agree with res, with respect to repentance, saying that it is an implicit part of uh, of uh of uh saving faith
1: when you say implicit part are you saying that repentance is faith
2: i said no i said re- repent uh to have saving to believe is implicitly include it basically it in it's it necessarily involves repentance because it's a repent change of and mind and
1: repent and believe. now like uh, repentance metanoia. Uh, to turn from, to look away from.
2: No, no, no. Uh, hold on, hold on, though. hold on. Repentance yeah. means, but repentance, metanoia, means to yeah. change the mind, right? So yeah. repentance is implicit in the gospel when you believe it. When you believe the gospel, you previously did not believe it. So your mind was no, changed but, uh, by God uh, to believe the gospel. I'm trying,
1: I'm trying, I'm trying to understand your position. Are you, are you actually saying that repentance is in faith?
2: Yes. It's invo- so, so
1: repentance is at the, so you don't believe... In the classic reform position and sola fide.
2: Yes, I absolutely do. There's nothing I, wrong. I, there's I, nothing wrong that. I mean,
1: with that. I, that on, not the classic position.
2: You you have to look at hold on. Let me just make this clear. You have to look at what I'm yeah. the way I'm defining it. I'm not saying that repentance is an explicit turning away from sin. I'm not saying that it's a work. I'm saying that it is a change of mind. The way it is defined in the Bible. When you believe the gospel, you previously did not believe the gospel, but God changed your mind and he caused you to believe the gospel. That is repentance. Repentance is involved when you believe the gospel because your mind has changed to actually agree with it.
3: So I just, come on, my turn. Sorry, sorry. I I didn't get a turn yet. Um, The words are used interchangeably in scripture. Um, So there's a call to believe and there's a call to repent and sometimes one's used and sometimes the other's used. You've got, Uh, with uh, Peter in Acts said, uh, repent, be baptized. He said nothing about believing um but I, but we all we all know you need to believe it's it's all, all of faith um they, they can be used interchangeably in that sense so just because we have a we have a you know for, for example as you know what, what you're referencing to a, a system in place that defines things a certain way what we can't do is ignore how scripture used the words and it used it both ways
1: but you've got to, you've got to look at something here clearly there's a distinction between repentance and faith but that doesn't mean to say that they mash together yeah. Like, well, there's a distinction
3: between pastors and elders, but they're used synonymously as well.
1: No but, no, but hold on. Look, look if we're going to address this, at least address it. You know, yeah. there's no, no point in getting way off the track with it. But what I'm, what I'm, I'm trying to understand, because even MacArthur retracted this view. So I'm actually confused. You, you actually aren't agreeing with MacArthur here. He actually retracted this view. And, and it is actually against classic Reformed teaching, confessional teaching. They do not infuse repentance into faith whatsoever. There is a distinction, and the distinction is clear. Now, some believe uh, that repentance precedes faith, as in that we are regenerated. And when we're regenerated, that when we hear the law, the guilt, that we repent, and therefore we then hear the gospel, and faith apprehends the gospel. And therefore, you see this sort of uh, repentance and then a uh, like a semicolon, faith, and then other reformers believe that uh, faith, then repentance. Like the two of them are always together, but there's a clear distinction between them. I haven't heard any reformer ever say that repentance is in faith and that they're synonymous ever.
3: So, the, the, so this is where we're gonna we're gonna end up running into this because. Um, I don't I I'm talking about what the uh, what the Bible says explicitly, right? And so what I'm not never going to end up doing um, Is referencing to what a group of people uh, held to or hold to or had talked about historically and not to discard that because they've done a lot of really good work It's not that's at the point and I'm I don't think I'm above them or any of that Well, what's um, our
1: standard then apart? From, you're gonna say scripture is your standard, but you know scripture, scripture yes. does not pre- present those words as synonymous
3: so so when the no it it, it it when they're preaching it seems to right because they tell them but that they're they need to be always together but the distinction yes yeah. no no they're actually not always together well repentance is always they're not attached to faith what must we well, know yeah, yeah I understand but what so so what must you do to be saved he says repent and be baptized and says nothing about belief am I to assume at that point because he didn't say believe also that they're separate and but now he's saying are you, don't are you need to assume, believe you need to are you
1: to assume that repent and be baptized means that you're born again
2: that's Nobody. what no it's because that what what he's uh, saying is
1: baptism, is baptism nice synonymous with repentance
2: hold on yes but that's what he's that because when they preach the gospel it depends on the context and what they're preaching it and
1: yeah, there's
2: but another hold on, hold on the hold context. on hold on wait wait, wait hold on in, in the, yes wait, yes let, let me explain the context when yeah. it comes to repentance, there are instances, like Joseph said, where somebody asked the question, what must I do to be saved? And all they say is believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. They don't say anything about repentance. There's other cases where they say repent and be baptized. It's a different context. And so we have to look at the context because when you're, when they're, if I'm, so for example, if the thief on the cross, if if Christ had told, if the thief on the cross had said, oh man, like, just remember me, please. And if Christ had responded to him, oh, well, repent and be baptized, well, that would have been horrible. I mean, he wouldn't have been able to be saved then because he couldn't get baptized. And so he was preaching it explicitly to the thief on the cross in a certain way because of the context. Now, when the apostles had water right next to them, yeah, they said repent and be baptized because they had water there. And it was obviously implied that if you were going to believe the gospel, that you would follow up and get baptized with them.
1: It doesn't make it synonymous but.
2: Yeah, I'm not saying it's anonymous, but repentance no, but and faith. When, you,
1: when you when you marry repentance and faith together in the same context, you are like, I, I, you just want to talk about the, the Greek verb, you know, to believe It's mentioned 29 times in the book of John. It's mentioned 23 times in Paul, 22 times in Acts, 15 times in the gospel accounts. That's the synoptic gospels. One time in Hebrews, James, Jude and first Peter and four times in a single chapter of John and both times all the times it's referring to both a, an assent and trust in Christ alone. Now that's a whole lot of scripture to support the fact of believing now to what I'm saying is can you show me that sort of scripture that makes repentance synonymous with faith? I'll show well, me the scripture that shows not, the distinction. it's not. It's not, It's it. Well, no. Okay. It was,
3: and here's the other part: the amount, the amount of times it's said or used a certain way doesn't devoid the fact. It, 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 so, if it does exist the other way, right? If it did, it did exist the other way, and it was only in there one time, that's all you would need. No, but no, 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 no you don't. Yeah, the scripture. The, the, the bandwidth. The, scripture the bandwidth doesn't make it right. The amount of times just used one way doesn't
1: I, avoid that. So, 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 come on now, be fair now. Scripture interprets scripture it yes. does. you have to look at the context of it and I agree. repent and baptized is not making it synonymous with faith you are you are making that distinction well no and i'm not experience. saying things, uh,
3: baptized baptized is uh, synonymous with faith that's a that, that's not what i'm saying at all no
1: but what i'm saying is
3: right repentance
1: even in yeah. in relation to how it presents itself as a Greek word is a different word like if yes. you want to say believe in faith are, are synonymous terms I'd agree with you there, but they uh, they do present themselves differently in Scripture, and we get to see that, and that's what's actually at the heart of this issue. But I'm telling you something. MacArthur got attacked so much because of confusion that he actually stated that repentance was infused, and whenever he realized the error he made, he repented of it. So you're, you're actually in some way actually going against what MacArthur.
2: okay, even let, me, let me let me let me just quote MacArthur so that we're clear out as to what he says here, at least in the Gospel according to the apostles. He yes, yeah. he says, the gospel calls sinners to faith joined in oneness with repentance. acts 2nd peter three nine. Repentance is turning away from sin, acts three nineteen, luke twenty four forty seven. It is not a work but a divinely bestowed grace. Acts 11, 18, 2 Timothy 2:25. Repentance is a change of heart, but genuine repentance will affect a change of behavior as well. Luke 3, Acts 26, 18 to 20. So just to see that now, the, the thing about this is that repentance, when people start talking about repentance, you have to look at the very simple definition of repentance. It's metanoia, means change of mind. Yeah. When you are called to believe the gospel, the reason you are called to believe the gospel, by definition, you're an unbeliever. Sinners are, by definition, unbelievers. When you believe the gospel, your mind is inherently changed. You, you that, That's just, that's like an obvious, that's an obvious statement. That's why repentance is included with saving faith, because when you believe the gospel, your mind is changed. That's all, that's all I'm saying, at least. I know MacArthur's making it a little bit more confusing. The, the,
1: sub, the subjective change, the subjective change of mind doesn't save us. That's no. what Peter, that's what Peter Christian's falling into
3: no uh, we, we, nobody here nobody here thinks that though nobody thinks that that the, the, the that's but how it's applied, applied to, to us
1: yeah matter met, uh, is the change of mind yes yeah now what i'm saying to you is that faith apprehends as an instrument never a condition and it grabs it's where the subject takes a hold of it's like me taking with spiritual eyes christ and his accomplished redemption and therefore that's what's me apprehending my savior but yeah, the change i don't the, know if... the change but... right like like if you look at faith 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 comes down and then goes up okay now like if you look at it that way if faith comes down and then goes up the the subjective change isn't what saves but rather it's the 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 laying a hold of the apprehending of the savior For by grace are you saved through faith. That is a work of God, it's the grace of God and not a work of yourself. And whilst you might say repentance is also a gift, it's coming into the subject of change, the change of heart, the transformation, the renewal, the the, the, the be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That is not the Sylvaic aspect. That's the benefit. That's the fruit.
2: No, that's the salvation itself. That's the regeneration no, no, and the change of mind that, that causes that, us to believe. But, but, but that's, I think, okay, I'll just say this. I think, it's too, I think you might be nitpicking a little bit too much on the distinction between condition and instrumental cause. Um, well, I it's not nitpicking if
1: itself. you're saying repentance is faith.
2: No, I'm not saying, wh- that's not what I meant to say. If I, if I, maybe you, maybe I, I didn't explain it correctly. I'm saying repentance is included in okay. saving faith because of the change of mind that takes place when you believe.
3: It's
1: a byproduct no. of faith. It's there not. You it's go.
2: not that, a, no, no, listen. Yeah. If you said that the
1: start, I wouldn't have had an issue here. That's what because, I've been
2: saying. That's what I've been saying all
0: along. No. look. Carlos. it may have been. Uh, I, I can, I can kind of see where where Gary might have thought that you said that. Um, to me, it sounded like that that might have been what you said, and then you were trying to clarify it um, more at the end. But. Um, <clears throat> Gary, w- would you would you disagree with with what Carlos just said? It sounded like you. It sounded like we were coming together, and I'm wondering if I can just delete the last 20 minutes. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do that. That was, that was <laughs> lively discussion. Um, uh,
1: no, listen. I, I, I all I want. I, all I want from this is I. I don't want to come across as an I'm here to have my precepts challenged, definitely. And like Carlos has got a wonderful mind, and and so do you all. I i've been very impressed by this and i've actually told us that so but what i'm saying is that um th- this faith repentance distinction whilst they're always together there's no doubt about that there is a distinction between them and if you infuse one Absolutely. into the
3: other the problem Absolutely. well the whole, i think i think the, it's the analogy of like the lightning or the, the electricity in the light bulb you know that that's the you know seemingly simultaneous obviously the current comes first um that like even
1: it's like remember i said about the the justification and the sanctification distinction uh uh, joseph like the light and the heat come together you know what i'm saying but Mm -hmm. but like there is a distinction between them the heat's not the light and the light's not the heat but that's right and in a respect it's how they operate but like when when my my just like my fear there was that it sounded like you were making repentance and faith synonymous, and therefore, mm-hmm. believe it or not, that would be neo-nomianism.
2: Yeah.
0: And yeah. It, I, and let, let me say this, Gary. I, I certainly appreciate that because, I mean, one of the things that we want to guard against is uh, distorting the, the doctrine of justification by faith alone. And so uh, I, I can definitely appreciate where you're coming from. So guys, let me let me just let everybody know that we are at an hour and thirty minutes, an hour and thirty six minutes. Uh, I'll leave it up to you guys to decide how much more you want to talk, or if you just want to leave it here and pick it up for another discussion, or what you guys want to do.
3: Okay. I, 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 I want to. No, I want to be able. To, I'm just. I need to help my wife with stuff, so I want to be able to pick it up later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, agreed. Okay, I agree. Oh. I,
1: I agree as well. But can I can I say this right? Um, to see the next time we're going to talk about this, can can we look at the 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 issue of faith and repentance? Because this is right at the heart of it. So we'll all go away and do a bit of homework. Yeah, and, that uh, was s- that was notes.
2: actually yeah that was actually the plan. So next time I'll send the outline. I'll I'll, I'll send the outline to everybody this time.
0: Yeah, as a matter of fact, uh, we. Uh, Gary I asked you how you defined faith earlier this week and uh, Carlos and I think that that uh, MacArthur's view of of what faith is is at the at the heart of the matter so uh, definitely looking forward to having Gary back and uh, <clears throat> it was a it was a lively discussion <laughs> I, I think that <clears throat> after we go back and we we listen to the recording it's always possible that I mean th- these distinctions are very necessary and we we may just slip up in how we say something, but uh, I, I definitely appreciate everybody participating in the discussion in the way that we did. Carlos, I, I really, really am, am glad that you're able to record with us. I want you to tell your wife that we are very grateful. Uh, I know that you're super busy right now. Um, and Joseph, uh, you, you you had mentioned that, you, that your wife's father had passed away and we, we just want your wife to know that that we, our hearts go out to her. I've personally been praying for her and her family. So I, I just want to say thank you for, for uh, coming on to the episode and I, I want to, you know, tell tell your wife, thank you because it's such a blessing to, to have you on. And I know that she's giving up time. She, she, she's allowing you to have that time to do that. And then, Gary, uh, I don't know what time it is in Ireland, but I'm sure it's late. So I just want to say thank you to you for coming on. Uh, we'll try to we'll try to get together uh, next week. I think Gary said it right. We have some homework to do, uh, but I think it's a it's a great topic, and we definitely want to keep talking about it. So uh, with that, I just want to say thank you to everybody else. Remind everybody that that you can email us at semper.reformanda.radio at gmail and uh, you know one thing that J.D. Hall says all the time that I, that I appreciate is if you're sincere and you have a question then uh, you know we we have you have an ear with us and th- in, in the same manner we we definitely appreciate sincere uh, emails not not ones that that just want to uh, attack without any content but if if we said something wrong you know we, we want to be teachable we want to be uh we want to be corrected so uh we're definitely willing to have that conversation i want to say thank you to everybody out there and i hope that you have a, a blessed week so we'll check you next time god bless